Gaming and BS episode 76. Munsters versus non-munsters. Welcome to Gaming NBS. This episode of Gaming NBS sponsored by Grade Out Productions. Head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash Grade Out. Use promo code Gaming NBS to receive 10% off your order. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome, folks. All right. So quick, uh, quick announcement bits, which I was trying to do. Anyhow, on our last episode, 75, we were talking about the gumshoe system from Pelgrane Press. And either Sean or I mentioned that Kevin Culp was the person who had done Ashen Stars. That's actually Robin Laws. Robin D. Laws is the author of the Ashen Stars um, <clears throat> setting uh, and system-specific stuff for the the sci-fi gumshoe bit. So sorry about that, folks. Corrected. Um, another announcement I have is that I just – today I was up in my hometown of Wausau talking to the folks who run Evercon, uh, the small gaming convention that's held in January in the Wausau, Wisconsin area. And it's – we're looking at a venue change. <clears throat> it's what? Been a, yeah, it's been a student-run, managed type of uh, con for, God, 15 years. And they've, quite frankly, just outgrown the school where we've been holding it at the uh, at the junior high for at D.C. Everest there. So we're looking at some of the different um, convention centers in the area and expanding it, hopefully, from a you know end-of-day Friday, all-day Saturday to a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday con, a three-day event. So no, nothing's set in stone right now, but that's kind of cool. So that's uh, we had... Kind of a big break last year with Frank Menstner coming in from like a guest speaker perspective. And uh, we're growing. We're getting, you know, 1,200, 1,500 people every year for the last few years. So uh, it's time to spread it out. Awesome. 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 And Sean, we had a little get together on Saturday as well for Gaming BS. We had a soiree with uh, Forrest, a Gary, Hawk Sparrow. Randy Farmer, Victor Wyatt, Chris Nizak, and Nathan Ponkey. Yeah, everybody jumped in, joined us for a while. Um, he had a lot of fun with uh, Randy. He had uh, he's he's a really super nice guy, and uh, we started talking about uh, Sean had gotten one of the new stand up desks, little compartmentalized things, and that of course it's a fold flat thing. That of course is a perfect cue for Randy to start talking about his papercraft stuff. So we talked a little papercraft minis on the games, on the board, what we think about this, that, and the other thing. Then we got to talk about cons and different components of it. So it was just a bunch of gamers hanging out and uh, BSing for a couple hours. I think we, damn, we were on there for like two hours, I think. It was fun. It was. Totally good time. Yes. Thanks for everybody out there that joined us. And for those that couldn't make it, hey, you guys were missed. That's all I'm going to say. And that I think Joe, I gotta say though, Joe Swick had the lamest excuse. This whole "I'm in another country on the other end of the world" oh, crap. I don't know if I was buy he pulling that. that one. I don't know something. Whatever. That's 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 the Swickster for you. That's the Swickster. You gotta keep you gotta keep track of that guy, Papa Swick. He'll pull a fast one on you. We will uh, do it again. Rest assured. Let's get into random encounter. Do it, brother. Random encounter. Part of the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media. Got a few. Actually, uh, I've got one. Let me go ahead and uh, get a voicemail to start off. Hey, guys. Chris Short calling you guys back. Episode 59. Just finished listening to the topic about 
uh, bait and switch or surprise in role-playing games. Sean hit the nail on the head. Surprise, surprise. Sean hit the nail on the head. The system matters. I think if you're in a, one of those generic systems, uh, GURPS or Champions or something, or Hero system, something like that, I think people are already prepared for anything can happen. And, uh, you know, when I ran a, a story with uh, summer campers where they were 50-point, yeah, this was in GURPS, they were 50-point characters, and then when the alien showed up and things got supernatural and weird, I think they were ready for that, even though the first session was mostly like uh, shenanigans in the summer camp cabin and so forth. But then when things got weird, I think they were ready. Um, on the flip side, I think if you switch to another system, that can be real jarring. And uh, I think one of the things that you guys didn't really talk about was that social contract that you guys do generally talk about a lot. Um, that wasn't necessarily discussed, and I was, I was, I'll be honest, I was a little bit surprised that that didn't come up in the conversation. Anyways, uh, keep up the good work, you guys. Great episodes, and hope you have a, uh, pleasant week. Bye. Thanks, Chris, for calling in. Absolutely. He calls in. He's like our phone buddy. He calls in. He calls in quite a bit. We don't play every, every voicemail that he leaves. Uh, sorry for that, Chris. Um, just, pending time so we do appreciate you calling in nonetheless um yeah and i was you know hey he was he liked what i had to say so yeah that yeah yeah whatever (laughs) thanks chris very nice do we have any more uh we do have one more we have another voicemail yeah another voicemail hey guys joe fitz calling in again after a long absence uh, I was just listening to the random encounter on investigative games, and on the whole sandbox versus epic thing, I actually would posit that with a good DM, you will start with a sandbox with no ar- overarching plot, but through the player's interaction with the world, you can very easily hit an epic scale plot that the players could become the protagonists of, as you guys mentioned. Just thought I'd throw that out there for some more noodling from you guys. Uh, but anyway, have fun. Peace out. So I want to bring up, so backtrack just a bit. So Chris, yes, con- social contract, always a big one. Excuse me. Yeah, we failed to probably mention it, but, you know, it's kind of par for the course. Yeah, I mean, if you're going, whenever you, if you don't talk to somebody about, hey, you know, I, I sometimes like to change it up or we might do something a little wa- wonky at some point or, hey, I'm going to do this thing tonight. You know, if you all don't like it, maybe we can go back to the other thing, something along those lines. But he's right. It, it is a good point. Yeah, that's the old bait and switch. And then, of course, addressing John, Joe. John Fitz. John Fitz. Mr. Fitz. Mr. Fitz, yes, to me. <laughs> I agree that I think that the sandbox starts out kind of whatever, coming around, going around, hex crawl, if you will, maybe, depending on what the setting is. Could even do urban. And then eventually you could get to the more linear non-railroad adventure. Well, Sandbox has that ability to, you start off doing essentially whatever, and then what I've found with Sandboxy type things for for the games I've run for a couple different groups over the years is that through that Sandbox-style play, you find out what the players want to do. Like, oh, great! They like this type of thing. Well, these characters are all heading over here, 
and they really think the the reptoids are interesting. So, hey, guess what? It's all about the reptoids right now. And then when they solve that problem and start moseying around looking for something else to do, oh, it's all about Egyptian mummies. Okay, great. We're all about mummies right now. And then you can head off in that direction. But um, having an eye for that type of thing, like, hey, where are they heading? What are they going towards? And if they're really digging it, you're really digging it, you can, as Mr. Fitz would say, we can uh, make it epic. We can really jump it up a notch and have even bigger, cooler stuff going on too. So that is a good point. Yes. Thanks, guys, for calling in. All right, we have the the fateful face fateful fateful. Get it? Let's see how I transition ah, there. Fateful like email. <clears throat> yes, from Mike. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I shall read. G'day, gentlemen. Just wanted to take um, a sentence or two and thank you guys for all your hard work and hours of education and entertainment you provide each week. Oh, you're welcome, Mike. Thank you very much. Question for today stems in a general forum, but I will give two systems as an example. We have seven players in our group and a GM making eight. When it comes to combat, we have a 50-50 split with keeping people's attention since it's, since it's taking a long time to get everyone to finish a round. When I GM'd uh, Pathfinder for this, I found it very frustrating at times and got to the point where I was skipping people if they asked me for a third time what's going on or to set a two-minute hourglass timer for their turn. Ooh, <laughs> been there. Been there, my man. <laughs> After GMing two and a half years, I'm finally taking a break. And now a player in a Palladium Rifts campaign. Oh, oh Rifts. Um, Mega damage. From the GM seat to the player seat, seeing the other GMs go through some of the same dilemma. What are good ways to keep players' attention during combat, ways to short latency between turns, or ways to get players to read the game books more to at least understand how the characters work in combat? I understand this question is long, and I don't want to take up a whole segment with it. Maybe it could be a show topic one day or a gaming uh, for gaming groups that are large. Um, yeah, I think I got a topic here, dude. We're going to have to, we're at the table this one and come back at it. I think, yeah, um, add it to the, the list. It will be added to the list. And a comment about Gumshoe, Mike was on to say, uh, after hearing the, your investigation episode, I tried looking up stuff for it. It doesn't seem to have any definitive demo or play test out, uh, or test play out, excuse me. <clears throat> I think it should be more like fate in the fact that it should have an OGL point of view, and allow it to be adaptive to multiple systems and genres. However, the publisher seems reluctant on pulling it from the settings on such as Trail of Cthulhu, Mutant City Blues, etc. Thanks and always, thanks as always, gents. Faithful Mike. Well, Faithful Mike, I'll tell you what. There's actually, um, I've got it in my uh, um, uh, die roll for later. But uh, Bubblegum Shoe is actually produced by Evil Hat. There, there is an OGL. There's a licensing out there for Gumshoe systems that uh, the Pelgrim guys have done. Uh, I've heard that before. And I, I don't know if it's uh, – Pelgrane is owned and run out of a, um, uh, a group there. It's all in England. and um, Simon Rogers. <clears throat> Simon Rogers and such. I, I've heard that the way the English approach these types of things, they tend to be a little cl- more closed and these types of things that are not as readily big on OGL type of stuff. I have no idea if that's true. This is absolutely second, third hand. I, if, if I ever see Simon, I'll ask him, <laughs> but I, I don't know. But anyway, there is there is the ability now you can license and you can get uh, stuff from them, uh, to my understanding. I just don't think anybody, aside from Evil Hat right now, has done anything that's out there. But he's talking about a demo. Like, there's no quick start rules. There isn't a... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, from like a quick start rules piece. Good point. Yeah, I don't see anything that's like really... Uh, no, nothing really like that. No. No, there's not. And partly, I think it may be because the rules themselves are so damn small. There really there not really isn't a lot to gumshoe. There's there not re- a lot to there it. There really isn't. Um, I mean, it's funny because Brett and I did two episodes of 
Edge of the Empire, two episodes for DCC, big thick rule books, necessary, you know, kind of a lot of fluff in them. But when we're talking about Gumshoe, there's there's a, I mean, their rule books are fairly thin. They do a three column format, but the rule system is it's not very intense. It's not like your Pathfinder game. Three, no, it's, five. there's not a lot of. I mean, there's some cool crunch to it, but there's not that. Um, no, you don't have like tons of feats or different things like that. No. It just doesn't doesn't exist that way. No. However, I can definitely see where not having a quick start or something along those lines. So my suggestion, Mike, and maybe anybody else listening, if you're interested in in such a thing, is go on to um, Pelgrane has a fairly. I think there's Pelgrane has a group of folks on uh, Google Plus, and there are. Facebook communities and such, I would encourage folks to go out, hunt those groups down, say, hey, is anyone, I've never played before, I'm interested, somebody want to play a one-shot for me, can someone set up a scenario I could go through? Um, so even if you can't get a quick start version of the rules, you would have an opportunity, excuse me, an opportunity to uh, try them out for yourself, perhaps in that way, that might be helpful. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, thanks for writing in, Fateful Mike. And and I, I apologize, Brett, he did touch on the the OGL piece of it, which you, you were commenting to, but I thought it also, you mentioned the demo. So two different things I think is I wanted to tackle there. And as Keith says over in our little chat room there, there are two demo con scenarios for gumshoe. There's one for trail and one for night's black agents. I touched on the night's black agents last episode. Um, but from like a quick start rules perspective, I've not read through the con demo scenarios to know how much, rule goodies are packed in there or not. So I, I, I can't speak to those yeah, specifically, but either. those are there. Those are free. All right. Oh my goodness. Andy. Jeez. Andy emails us. Hey, uh, Sean, I just listened to the end of the last episode gumshoe this, this AM. So I heard mention of sneeze and lore finder. So Andy had written in and had mentioned about lore finder. And I'm like, it's, and he, he wrote us after we mentioned it in the, uh, die roll. So I said, Hey man, just listen to the episode. We're on there. So that's what he's referring to. By the way, I use the drive through RPG affiliate link, uh, on the gaming and BS site to pick up a few items today. Hopefully that kicks a few nickels your way. Thank you very Sweet. much, Andy, for kids, doing my that. My kids need shoes. My kids need shoes well, and food. So I don't, whatever I don't, you can do. I don't think we get that though. Unless you take the, I mean, I think we get digital product out of that or credit. Uh, yeah. So right, well, whatever. Kids, I, I need I need gaming books as much as my kids need to eat. Kids so go shoeless, man. Sorry, keeps That's you know. Fine. It's, as as it's warming up out there. I am taking a look at the stand stand too. If I can use it from GMing uh, for GMing and for a real job, that is pretty nice. So stand stand also brought that up in die roll during the hangout. I brought it up. It's a uh, lectern kind of thing that you can put on the table. It's full. It's like four or three pieces. It's really awesome. But anyways, so thanks for taking a look at that as well. If you are, are you are a D&D guy, where do you stand on the OSR style of play? I know old guys who love that style. The Dyson maps are awesome, uh, which, yes, follow Dyson on Google Plus and Facebook. If you are GMing, are you a minis on the table or theater of the mind guy? Do you find that as you play more games and are exposed to more games, you games your game style preferences are changing? Maybe these kinds of questions are possible show discussions. No worries if you do not reply to this email. You do lots of stuff for the show. Best, Andy. So, I mean, you know, he's writing this to me, so I'll just uh, 
I'll chime in, Brett. You do that. I'll sit back. <laughs> I'll sit back. You you answer. Uh huh. So I would. So I would. I'll answer kind of for ha- me and half a Brett. There you go. All right. So I um, where do I stand on OSR? I don't know. I haven't run an AD and D basic expert game. I can't even remember the last time I even did that. I think I might have. Did I run Azric? I did run once. But it's not. You're not playing it regularly. I'm not it playing it. Attract you? No. You don't. You don't think. Oh, I gotta go pick up Labyrinth Lord because it looks like a really cool hack. It's nothing. You're no. It isn't. It isn't burning in my soul to play OSR, a, a true OSR game. I'm not opposed to playing it and or opposed to running it. I'm just not. It's not like oh, I'm gonna. I, I gotta play. That's my thing. Like I know some folks on Google Plus. That's that's all they play. They don't have a reason to play anything else, and that's cool. Absolutely. Um, dice and maps are awesome. Yes, GM minis, table, or theater of the mind. So I have a butt ton of minis. Uh, I used to buy D and D minis by the case, two cases, because I would try to get the complete set. Um, and I think I'm like literally five minis from a complete set of Archfiends. Um, but so I have minis all coming out of my years, but I got tired of playing with them because I'd have to go and find them set them aside next week. I'd have to find more that matched what I wanted. So I think minis are cool first of all, but secondly, they become, they became to me a bit burdensome. Now, if I ran a one shot at a con, I would probably break them out. Maybe, maybe depends on what game I'm playing. Star Wars FFG. I would love to run a con game with my minis. I also have a bunch of Star Wars miniatures. So, but now I'm, I'm more theater of the mind. I mean, even like with Brett and the gang, when I'm rolling on roll 20, we started out doing D&D 5e, put the maps down, put the tokens down. Then I got tired of that and then went to FFG Star Wars. And then I just have like a table kind of thing that's out there for people to do. Um, the dark we use side, it to light flash side. up certain maps or images every once in a while. Like, hey, this space station looks yeah. like this or this is what the planet looks like. You've used it for that type of perspective. But right. Mostly theater of the mind, yeah. Yeah, theater of the mind. I just, why not? It's so much easier. Describe it. Let the players maybe get into the groove of that. So that would be my preference now just because uh, the tactical piece kind of irks me at times. Do you find that as you play more games and are exposed to more games, your style preferences are changing? Yeah. I would say so. Even, yeah, they are changing to some degree, but it's still, I'm getting tired of the really crunchy stuff. Something light, something we can whip through and run through, not have to break open a book all the time is kind of my preference. There's, it's easier to gain system mastery over what often is referred to as a lighter system, right? If you don't have a lot of crunch and stuff, Sometimes it, it's easier to gain system mastery, which, in Brett's opinion, system mastery leads to faster gameplay, uh, a better immersion level, and I think it's more fun for me. And the players get into it faster; you can answer questions quicker. So, so I would, I, I would, I would somewhat disagree. I know I'm going to disagree, Brett. What, what? What's wrong with you? Because, man, that's what we're about, dude. All right. The only, the only and it's not, it's not a bad thing. But I would say, like, Pathfinder would be an exception. So you could master Pathfinder as a game master. Like, you could know every rule that's ever done, every feat, every spell effect, all the details of all that stuff. And it still can be slow. 
Oh yeah, and I don't. I I would say that no one with all the splat books and shit they have out, it's not possible to know everything. So but I think just the just the base core of how it functions, it yes. does run slower. Right. If you run it as written, it is slower. Yeah, you pump that stuff into Fantasy Grounds and everything's done for you, maybe. It takes all into consideration, and yeah, I would say yes, but. Hmm. I had um, my buddy Zave. I was doing some uh, writing while he was playing a Champions game, which is a hero system, old school, I think 5th edition. Every round has 12 segments in it, so they only got through like eight, I think maybe four or five rounds of combat, and with... Four players, five, six bad guys, each person operating in different segments. When they're on. It was snail's pace, slow combat. It was brutal, brutal, brutal. Yeah. But um, they they were having fun with it. It's just not my cup of tea at all. It's not something I want to do. I, I remember playing it in the past and went, oh, yeah, this is, uh, this is one of the things I didn't like about this game. Guys that love it, love it, but not my thing. Yeah. So, Brett, did you want to comment? I know. So, Brett, I could tell you is more OSR guy than I am. I like it. I mean, I get in a, I get in a mood, if you will, every once in a while, where I want to run Osric or I want to do the uh, the Mensner style D anD D. That's always a good time for me. Uh, even sometimes it, I think some of it comes to my love of out of print games. Um, playing those is always fun, and I have a good I have a good um, uh, nostalgia <laughs> candle that's lit for some of those things. And when I've uh, run con games, the the few con games I've run and such, running some of the Older games like that, I have noticed that a lot of people are really into it, and they want to they have a good time with it, and they're like, oh, this is fun, and and the, the rules are simpler, and they try different wacky shit, and they don't feel intimidated as they have like when I run Pathfinder and stuff. But anyway, yeah, I'm a little more OSRI. Minis or non-minis, Brett? I tend not to like minis simply because, one, I don't um, – if I'm going to invest that kind of money into my gaming, I'd rather have books, and I find that I can use a whiteboard – and an eraser and some white, you know, dry erase markers, and I can have a pretty good go at it. I don't like going the square by square much anymore. Do you do- However, if I'm going to play, if I'm going to play Pathfinder, like hardcore Pathfinder, and I'm playing with my group, my Lenny and Alpha and those guys, they have minis much like you coming out their ears. So as long as I'm playing at one of their houses, and I say, "Hey guys, I need a, I need a bucket of humanoids," <laughs> I get a bucket. If I get a big freaking Rubbermaid bucket of humanoids, great. And I can play through it. That's shit I don't have to carry around. I just don't like lugging that shit around with me. Do you do maps? Um, do you map out stuff first? No, not really. No? No. I mean, do I map stuff out first? What yeah, do you, mean do you have that? a map? You give the map. Players, here's a map. Or do you roll out a map? Oh, I mean, do I have map paper? And I map and I kind of sketch things out for them? Yeah, so you do I've it, done that. So you do it while you run? Yes. Okay. If if necessary, sometimes it's like okay, you go down, you go left, you go right, you do this, do you do that? Um, sometimes the player will be like, "What was this room look like? A big combat?" So I'll pull the whiteboard out or a large piece of paper, sketch it out so they get it. Oh, this was that combat. Wipe, wipe, wipe. Move on to the next bit. Not something I use all the time. Use grid when you map. Mm, not necessarily. So you just throw it out on a blank piece of whiteboard large, or paper. Yeah, either on a large whiteboard or I've got some. Brown kind of looks like butcher paper that I've used in the past. Garbage ba- or uh, paper bags from the grocery yeah, store. <laughs> Recycle people. Be exactly. environment, environmentally so I, safe. Yeah, I just I like that type of thing. It's big chunks, and then players will be like, kind of as Tim is saying in the chat room, where someone will say like, you know, you've got you, you, the room looks kind of like this, and someone goes, well, you know, is there this there? Yes, it's over here. Is there this there? Yes, it's over there. I can fill stuff in based on player input and so forth. 
it's just uh, that's just how I like to roll. Well, thanks for sharing, Brett. Well, you're welcome, Sean. Thank you do for you, letting me answer a question, even when you didn't want to talk to me, and I feel sad now. Do you find do you find your your game styles changed over the years? <clears throat> yeah, I think it has. I think it has. I still tend to be a very physical game master. I'm not like you know, like physical, ah. like grabbing, like <laughs> that thing. <laughs> Don't I'm lie. Not, like, attacking Don't people. lie. Like, Don't freaking lie, man. It's been years since <laughs> I punched a player. Um, no, I'm kidding. It was just last but week. But when I, I like, you know, I stand up. I'm more. I'm very animated when I run. But I, I think I've also, if nothing else, I've because of the amount of time I have available to me, I tend to run shorter scenarios versus back in the old days we would run, you know, one game that would last multiple years, a storyline and vampire. Back when I was playing that all the time, you'd run that game or that storyline with a group of people. You'd run a campaign that could take literally a year to two years, playing like every week. So. I don't do that much anymore. I've just changed that piece of it up. Gotcha. Sweet. Should we get into the topic? Do it. Monsters versus non-monsters. Yeah. What are you talking about, Brett? So I wanted to ask, I've talked to... My buddy Zave and a couple of us were chatting about this a few months ago, and I thought, I think, I've, Sean, I've bullshitted about this at work before, is sometimes sometimes it's setting specific, but I was wondering if, Sean, like, I have a preference for the type of, like, the big bad guy. If I'm going to have, <clears throat> excuse me, at the end of it, there's a big fight or there's, there's a big bad guy to worry about or whatever, I have a certain type of villain I prefer, um versus another type and i broke it i kind of break it down to monsters versus non-monsters so what i'm saying is that oftentimes when i run a DD game i don't have the dragon always be the big thing uh, if it's the big evil person sometimes it's an elf or it's a dwarf or it's another human or something along those lines that's in charge or you know the, the power behind the beholder riots or whatever <laughs> or whatever weirdness I, I, that that's going on and i started thinking about how even in when I've run Vampire, as I've, as I've said in the past, having the bad guy always be a monster, another vampire, a werewolf, a, a mummy, something along those lines. One of the things that was fun for me to do with my group periodically was that the person that they had, the person who was the challenge, the person who was the bad guy or whatever it is their, their, their antagonist they were going up against was just a dude, a man or woman who was out to get them for whatever reason. And it was, she was a human, just a mortal person. And she was there to try to make their lives living hell. And sometimes I find that is almost more scary in a way, or it's more shocking or makes people stop and think a little bit. So Sean, I just, I want to kind of lead off with, do you have a preference? Do you like to have, you know, monsters be the bad guys or do you like, do you like, Games with the non-human, excuse me, with humans as bad guys, you know, the normal, normal folks. What do you think? So we're, we're assuming kind of a and d fantasy game, I'm guessing. Well, to start with, I mean, and maybe that's part of your answer, right? Is like, oh, in d and I don't care, but in a modern, modern setting, like a spy game, you know, I don't expect there to right. be goblins behind the, you know, the NSA. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, uh. I would say yes that I would prefer humanoid um humanoid it, I don't necessarily know if it has to be a, a monster 
mean, it could be a mind flare, a rock Sasha or something that would be kind of cool that is behind the scenes, screwing around, maybe having their minions that are monsters at play. Maybe they're, I think, you know, inevitably, I think a lot of the games that I've run for fantasy has a premise of a humanoid at the end of the tunnel somewhere, simply because uh, they're making things go. And I think when you deal with monsters, they're good and they're the big, bad, evil guy at the end of kind of the encounter or the level you're on or whatever that is. But uh, the overarching plot is maybe driven by an antagonist with two legs and a pretty decent intelligence. Gotcha. I think even when I've run in recent years, when I've run my fantasy games in my Avalon world, when the guys have run into the bad guys behind the scenes, it was a group of doppelgangers that were taking over different um, guilds within the city. Or there was a huge like crime, uh, excuse me, a gang war, if you will, between different rival thieves guilds and such. Well, what that turns out is there's actually a dragon behind it. But, the dragons acting as a human crime lord would that you know that was the weird twist on it. They assume that there's going to be a person or a group of persons who are trying to do this, and oh my god, it's a super smart dragon that's actually you know a crime lord. And um, basically, I stole that from uh, uh, Forgotten Realms instead of I think Xanthar is the or whatever the hell the name of the uh, beholder is who runs the crime uh, syndicate underneath Waterdeep. But anyhow, regardless. Um, and then when the guys have met mind flares before, the mind flares are they're humanoid enough and they're alien enough, but they're due <clears throat> but because they two legs stand up, very intelligent, that doesn't have I mean, they're obviously monsters, they're eating brains and shit, but they're they're not mindless monsters like a zombie, and they're not traditional monsters in, in my games. Vampires were because I played vampire for, for so damn long. And they're not like, well, there's a big red dragon in the mountain you got to go kill that thing, right? Instead of having the giants are always, oh, the giants have come down from the mountain again and doing something. There's somebody and a reason behind it. And oftentimes I use the monsters as a means to that end or even just happen to be layering in the area. I think that's where you're going. It is. I think so. Um, so, yeah, I think there, you're, I think there's a blend there when you talk monsters that are maybe mind flare monsters where they're, they're not human, but they're humanoid. They're human enough in a way that you can relate almost. True. Perhaps, maybe. I don't yeah, know. I mean, I guess you could be a human and eat brains too. Maybe that may yeah, even you, be better. Yeah, <laughs> you could totally do that. I mean, yeah, no, seriously, you could you could do that. You I mean, could have... Why has it got to be a mind flare, right? Yeah, everybody knows what the mind flare is. And you find like, five corpses and the brains have been scooped out. You're like, oh my God, we got fucking mind flares up the ass again. This is terrible. And there's actually just a cult of people that worship mind flayers as gods and um, they're murdering hobos and scooping their brains out. They like brains. That's actually, so maybe they think they become smarter when they eat people's brains. Well, cannibalism, I mean, cannibal, the, what I've read up on cannibalism, not that I'm interested or anything. um, But what I've read up on cannibalism is that you you did it to chicken. (laughs) It's long pork, right? It just tastes (laughs) like pig. Anyway, um, the point is, is they used to, uh, it was eaten because you wanted to gain a thing, right? You ate the brains for for smarts, the heart for strength and stamina and stuff. And you ate parts of your foe or whatever because you would gain something from it. 
So similar type of thing. Somebody's going to listen to this that doesn't know <laughs> that it's gaming oriented and they'll be like, man, those guys are wacky cannibals. So on that point then is that one of the interesting things for me is running a horror game. Mm. Um, a lot of times when I run horror games, they tend to be Cthulhu based. I call it Cthulhu or Trailer Cthulhu, more, my more recent favorite. Um, there's always, <clears throat> I shouldn't say always, but there tends to be a Cthulhu somewhere in there. There's a Lagor, there's a hunting horror, there's some nasty fucked up monster that's in there that's behind it. Now they're super smart. They're, they're doing, they've got cultists and so forth. However, some of my favorite call Cthulhu, um, kind of sidebar adventures or whatever is that at the base of it isn't a mythos creature. It's something that's a little more kind of close to home, if you will. Um, and that's where I think games like, uh, fear itself, which, um, <clears throat> now fear itself, not quite as much, but that's where slasher, which was a new world of darkness where it kind of took the whole concept of a, uh, serial killers and that type of thing and injecting that into your game. Sometimes, you know, bad people are really, really bad. Um, and that, 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 I mean, that's more than enough. That that's a, that's a cop show on TV. Right. And I think though, that because of what you have said in the past here is that we often game to not have to deal with reality. Having to fight monsters is sometimes more relaxing, enjoyable than having to not every group wants to sit down and deep dive into the psyche of a Hannibal Lecter or something like that in, in, in their role-playing games too, dealing with people that are acting like monsters. That's not always something folks want to do in a modern setting. What do you think? Yes, uh, no, maybe. I was wondering if there was a question there or not. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, I think monsters are simple, except for the ones that are that are that aren't. That doesn't make any sense. Of course, that makes sense. Can't, <laughs> that's a, that's a, wow. That's that's interesting. I know how profound, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'm talking like a dragon. You brought up right, super yeah. intelligent creature. It could probably, you know, become a human form, do its things, you know, manipulate this the scenario, the situation to its own means. Um, but it, yeah. But I, th I, th I think a lot of monsters are just more, it's like the random encounter piece of it. You're throwing stuff at the, the players to kind of occupy them, give them something to chew on for a little while. Here, go go kill these, this pack of owl bears that are causing problems. Well, the, well, then you get into wilderness, right? But, mm -hmm. but, you know, how many people, I'd be interested to the folks that run like a fantasy game that's really a lot of people, right? Go, I mean, go real life medieval where the big bad animal is like the bear or wolves, but the real evil people are people like, you know, that's kind of the thing Then it's more dynamic. It's more, I believe guys been forever since I've read mm -hmm. Ars Magica, but Ars Magica, I mean, there's, there's magic, clearly. right? Um, but it's, I believe it's more people driven shit. I'll have to crack my book. Maybe it back doesn't out have a bestiary, right? I think it it might, but it's like you know, there that's not the the focus of right. it as much. Tunnels and troll, uh, not tunnels and trolls. Castles and crusades tend to be very. Um, the there's monsters, and I think the player's handbook to some degree, or the I can't remember if it's the GM guide or the the castle keeper guide. I should say, 
or the player's handbook, but those monsters are pretty, uh, like, you know, crocodile, alligator, bear, uh, lion, tiger, can, you know, there may be some mystical, don't get me wrong, but also they have to be careful because you can't have a beholder. No, you, you got, right? you got licensing issues there. Right. I, I think though that for me to help make some of the monsters a little more intimidating and scary, especially the smart monsters is I take the, I take the, the human monsters, if you will, like, you know, the bad people out of, out of the real world and say, Hey, this person is a, is a psychotic fuck or, Hey, this is a, excuse me, a crime scene. Um, excuse me, a crime story. And I say, what would this crime story be like if I just swapped out, you know, mafia of a bunch of people from this part of Europe and it's now mafia that's goblins or it's mafia that is, um, um, doppelgangers. What does that do? And parting some of those kind of humanistic, um, the, the evil that some people, you know, that people that some people have, you know, either organized crime or, or, um, or whatever it is. Uh, and I keep going back to my dragon who's the crime Lord, but dragons are super, super smart. And this one just happens to like this type of thing. He likes this type of manipulation. So I basically imparted upon this monster human traits so that it would be a little different, a little more interesting and having it approach things from that perspective versus the, I'm a big goddamn dragon. Why don't I just stomp the shit out of everybody and eat them right. to approach it from a different angle makes it a little more challenging because then the players don't have the usual, <clears throat> the usual issue to deal with, you know? Um, or as Tim Jensen said, it's halflings. It's always halflings. So. Oh, <laughs> freaking dirty ass halflings. <laughs> but I think that by, if you don't like, if you like to have monsters to fight, um, because you don't want to have to deal with, you know, I don't want to deal with CSI. I don't want to deal with hunting down real life serial killers because it's just freaking depressing and real life murderers and, and horrible things that the, the humans have done to each other. If you don't want to deal with that, um, you can have, do do the flip. And even as you said, you know, instead of having it be mind flayers, it's a cult of people that worship mind flayers and are eating their brains. It's a simple twist, but just take the plot and replace the monster with something different. Even a little, even a little twist on it. You can have, you read up something like the Nagas, the, uh, the dark Nagas, the spirit Nagas and so forth. Some of them make great crime Lords or great powers behind the throne. And if you're running a, um, intrigue game trying to find out who's manipulating what who's doing what and then lo and behold behind it all there's a goddamn dark naga who's behind wow that that's it's a fantasy game and then it gets kind of crazy because those things are freaking powerful and all that good stuff so it can be a big kind of a big plot twist if you will like oh my god we thought it was you know the, the we thought it was the halflings and son of a bitch it's not the halflings it's actually this other thing that's behaving like them or manipulating them from the shadows so what happens when you start talking about demons, devils, some of the things that are monsters that are conniving enough that maybe, like you mentioned the Nagas. I mean, is the, is, are we talking, I mean, what is the argument and the topic for, is it having, looking at, uh, oh my God, I cannot even articulate. I, are we talking about, <laughs> having as the protagonist humans or monsters or antagonist 
I'm sorry, antagonist. Yes, that's what I meant to say. Thank you. The but I mean, is it looking at your game and saying it doesn't always have to be monsters, or is it looking at your game and saying the big, big, big bad evil end antagonist is either a monster or a human? And what, how do you manipulate one or the other? Like how like you go to saying, I think well, I'm trying to, I think I'm trying to do both. I'm trying to say, you know, which do you prefer? Yeah. You know, different ways to do it. And I think we, we touched on a few of those, but where you're going with demons and devils is, is interesting then because if you go that route or, um, Nyarlathotep or Yogg-Sothoth, some of the crazy shit out of the Cthulhu mythos area for the, for the COC players and such. There's people that get manipulated or moved or changed, and you find, oh my god, these guys are cultists, and behind the cultists is this um, avatar of this demon god, or it is a real freaking demon. I gotta banish the the damn thing, and I battle my way through the cultists to get to the to the Balor who's been raised up, and I've gotta you know get him deported and send him back to the abyss where he came from. So, I think that that works really well in. <clears throat> In horror games and fantasy games and such, whenever you have demons and devils. Yeah. But I think that it can be very cliche really quick if you lean on that too much. Always behind the cultists is this is a monster. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's a human-esque monster. It's, it's a big demon or it's a big devil. But I think that – I think it can be kind of cliche. I, I, guess th- I agree. I agree. And I think it would be cool if you if you were to run a game – that isn't that way, right? So you, the players will assume, oh, great, it's the big, big dark one, whatever. Or, no, it's just the halfling. Yeah. And his brother. So, so the other thing <laughs> is that when I've, run, when I've run horror, modern games of horror, like vampire and stuff, there were certain things that when you're a historical game or you're, you're talking on different, different components, there's certain real life bad people that I don't believe you should as a game master players kind of, and this is my, my preference, right? But I don't want to give that historical or current day individual the excuse of, Oh, let's do classic is right. Hitler was a vampire. That's why everything was bad. This person was uh, Stalin was possessed. That's why he did horrible things. Pol Pot was actually a Rakasha and that's why they did horrible things. I don't like doing that. And that may be just a personal great, you know, something that, that grates on me. And so when I do historical games or uh, what's that, historical figures <clears throat> or anything like that, when, when things are tied to it, if I was running a game, when you're going to go around and stomp on, you're going to play a Hellboy type thing. And back in the day, you're going to go stomp on the Nazis and the Thule Occult Society and so forth. Um, Hitler, Himmler, and those types of folks, I don't, ha- they're, they're not front and center. I would take more of the, um, <clears throat> Mike Magnola approach for Hellboy and, and create my own bad guy Nazis that are the occult problem. I don't like to give those types of folks a pass and give them in some way that that they're not that they weren't human to begin with. Therefore, what they did, um, I, I don't know. It, it's, it feels to me like it cheapens it. So that's that's something I tend to stay away from. Sean, I just babbled a whole bunch there. What do you what do you think about that? <laughs> As far as like historical, yeah, either historical or even current thing. I mean, I at one point I was going to run a game in uh, New York after nine eleven, and we were talking about. And my players asked me, "So, did it, have the towers fallen? Hmm. Are, are we going to play through that? Is that going to happen while we're in New York?" And we had a discussion for like half the session. Was like, "Well, 
because it was really fresh. It was just, you know, early 2012 when we were, when we were playing and everyone went, I, I don't, and I had some players talk to me like, I'm not, I really don't want to talk about that. I don't want to. So I moved the game. I moved it to L.A. I just we picked the whole story up. And I said, well, it doesn't have to be in New York, guys. If you'd be more comfortable in another city, I'll just pick it up and move it. Oh, yeah, that makes better sense. Picked it up, plucked it, stuck it somewhere else. Because it was just it was one of those modern day things. And this is what my group came to me with. I don't want to give the people who did horrible things. An excuse in, in our silly little gamer world where we tag them with, well, that was. It wasn't as bad as the demons that are in that are taking over New York or what they did um, was because of, uh, you know, vampires or what they did was because of something else. We just want to not, <clears throat> excuse me, not have that type of connection there. We just stepped away from it. So what, that, what does that make you think? So to me, that's just social contracts. So they're not comfortable playing that. That's fine and cool and dandy. Yeah. Um, but you don't care. Nothing's sacred to you, Sean. No, I, I'd, I'd, I'd run it regardless. <laughs> Nice. No. no. I'd tie the players down and make them play. They don't have any choice. No, that's bad news. Um, I think that uh, I, I agree with you, and I think there is alternate history, alternative history that you could run. I get the fact that you would want to give some um, assholes of history a pass because you're uh, in my game, it's they're kind of kooky and nutty like that because they're possessed by a demon or they're a vampire or whatever. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think the social contract you, th- you said is that's a hell of a lot more succinct than what I said. But basically, <clears throat> our group's discussion was all around that piece of the contract. We all said, no, it's too many people were uncomfortable, so we weren't going to do it. Um, but I think that um alternate history having the monsters in play and having them be part of the bat so i think knights black agents right it's jason Bourne versus vampires as we've talked about um human trafficking right that that's easily a, a piece within knights black agents you get involved trying to stop this horrendous activity it's a real life honest to god holy shit people do this i can't fucking believe it thing and you're there to stop it and come to find out it's a goddamn lithuanian vampires are behind this human trafficking ring oh my god I get that. And to me, that's not the same as saying, oh, this individual dictator who caused the death of millions upon millions upon millions of people is a vampire. It's easier for me to have some nebulous Lithuanian mob that I made up or somebody who's whatever in the, you know, in the Kremlin is, you know, it's, it's the Russian mob and they're, therefore they're the bad, they're the, they're all vampires <clears throat> or they're being controlled by them. That feels like it's like, it makes more sense to me than trying to um, in- interject it the other way. What about Elon Musk? He's trying to take over the world. Well, he'd make a good vampire. <laughs> yeah. No, there's we, we've talked about that before, actually, when we were talking spy games, where he would make a really good supervillain. You know who's a vampire? Who? Keith Richards. Keith Richards, yeah. We need to start thinking about what kind of world we're going to leave for Keith Richards. We need to start thinking. That's about right. That. <laughs> remember, people. So climate, I don't climate change isn't online. about the kids. It's about Keith Richards. Keith Richards. He's, he's got to have somewhere to live. Um, so I don't necessarily want to dwell on that piece of it, but I know when, when modern fantasy games or modern horror and you start digging into that stuff, sometimes it – social contract, again, as you uh, rightfully brought up, 
there's certain things that people don't want to necessarily deal with. And that could be, you know, horrible crimes against a certain group of people or a certain age group of people or whatever it is. You don't want to have to deal with that. Um, we've talked about that. But then sometimes just because it's a vampire doing it or just because demons do it doesn't make it easier for your group to swallow. So I think from a social contract perspective, it's good to find out those type of those pain points where the X card could get thrown on you um, <clears throat> and just say, well, if I make this horrible group of people, this horrible group of skinheads, they're actually devil worshipers. Does that make it better? That may not, that may or may not wash with your crew. So it's something anyway, I guess where I'm going is it can be tricky to take things that are either, especially really hot button topics and just saying, Oh, that's because of demons. So that's because of vampires. Sometimes that doesn't wash that well with groups. Yeah. Sometimes I don't think so, but other times I'm like, you know, who gives a shit? No, I get it. I get it. And I think it's group by group. I'm probably belaboring the point as I usually no, do. No, I don't think that's, I don't want to, I don't want to belittle it by any means or think, you know, ah, it's just Brett being Brett. But I mean, I think there, I mean, cause I think there is an aspect of legitimacy where somebody has to be kind of careful, you know, with the players and your group and whatever, like nine one one and nine one one nine eleven, and moving the venue that your game is taking place in. And that's fine. But at the same time, it's. I think you could still play a World War II game with monsters. Absolutely, absolutely. You know? I mean, so. But yes, you don't, you don't have to make it an excuse to say like, "Hey, Hitler was a bad dude because he was possessed by a demon." Yeah, right. Sometimes that's just too much of a cop out. Well, or it could feel like it. Right. Exactly. And I think you got to know your group because some of them will be like. Hey, he's a vamp. He's a demon. We gotta kill Fine, his ass. That's great. I'll go kill him. <laughs> right now, I got more of a reason to kill his ass, other than like all the millions of reasons. Otherwise, that I mean, else has. yeah, I don't know. I think though that that uh, perhaps back to the beginning is that's perhaps one of the reasons monsters are fun to fight because it's a very in a D and D world, especially old school OSR. To go back to some of the the questions we had from the listener feedback, is that. If you're chaotic evil, you're fucking evil. You're, I mean, evil. It says so right in your right in your job description, right? It says evil. It says on your name tag, "Hi, I'm a beholder. I'm evil." Um, so stomping on stuff like that is very cut and dried. And sometimes having those monsters as the big bad guys for those types of campaigns totally makes sense. Yes, He's kissing his girl goodnight. Yes, my smallest one. What does she think well, about monsters? <clears throat> Ilana's favorite thing to do with monsters when she has uh, she game mastered for us once she, she, I, I did all the rules for her but she had this little storyline and uh, it was all these dark fairies had captured a bunch of children from their parents the parents were very sad and we were adventurers there to go rescue the children from these dark fairies before they turned them into other dark fairies dark fairies then yes dark fairies they were really evil it was a very railroady plot but hey for a six year old I thought it was pretty good railroady or linear Railroady. Okay, you go here. We're thinking of going there. No, you have to go here next. Did somebody <laughs> say railroad? railroad? Yeah, Ilana, Ilana had her conductor hat on for that one, definitely. But again, she's six, whatever. She just wanted to have fun with it. But I think to the other point is that one of the ways that Sean, you've, you've said this before, is that you want games to be the sense of wonderment or to be Oh, surprised again with monsters and some of the things. That's kind of the, kind of the parts of where 
um, Dungeon Crawl Classics hits a chord for you because the monsters aren't goblin, kobold, orc. They're not that cut and dried. I think by injecting or just a simple swap of saying, again, it's not mind flayers. It's a cult of humans that think they're mind flayers or are just weird ass cannibals. Um, it's not ghouls digging up um, the graves and they're actually not undead people at all. It just happens to be this sick bunch of um, nobles or whatever that are doing this either on a lark or they're members of a cult or they're insane <clears throat> or something along those lines. I think by taking the human components and the attitudes and drives that you can pick up from different monstrous human activity and imparting that to your more intelligent monsters, even something like an orc or something along those lines, you know, give him or it a reason, whatever the creature is, to act like a human bad guy. And you're going to change it up a little bit. Yes. I agree. You, yes, you can change things up that don't have to be kind of your typical encounter or adventure that has what you think is going to be the same bad evil dudes. And I say dudes in the generic sense, because it could be women. It could be women. Right. Bad. I I, I don't want to say, yeah, (coughs) bad dudes. The, so I think (laughs) I do like the fact that at the end, kind of behind your stuff, there's the, the humanoid component of it. I think there's, um, that's kind of cool. As opposed to it always being, and maybe it's, and this may go back to the other listener feedback we had around, um, you know, game style or whatever your your play style is that to keep it fresh again for me is I don't want to always have to go, oh, it's another fucking dragon that just has a big pile of treasure. I got to go kill it. That's so cliche and boring. At some point, the dragon needs to be a little different. So you need to impart some personality to it. Give it a little something extra to do. Cool. I don't know, man. You got anything else? No, no, no. You're, you've got to look at me like, why'd you come up with this? No, no, this? no, 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 dude. Cause no, I, I think we, bad. no, oh. no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I think, I think the point that we're trying to get at is that a game can have your typical antagonist and in fantasy games, it tends to sometimes be monsters mm-hmm. and sometimes not. And how do you, um, do you maybe change out monsters for humans and give them a different um, twist? And then maybe having the plot driven by some mastermind that may, may not be a monster or may not be a human, maybe a monster, highly intelligent monster of some kind, aberration, whatever, outsider. Right? You could go either way. So, like, mixing oh, it up in your I, game, I, right? I also think that having the humanoid or human um, antagonist, you know, the in having that be the the bad guy, sometimes it makes it almost that individual is more bad than if like, oh, it's it's a really bad hobgoblin. No, it's a really bad elf. It's a regular wood elf that has gone evil and is doing these things. Or it's a, you know, the dwarven king is actually an evil bastard and um, he's the one who's been sacrificing all the um all the dwarven children or whatever, because there's dead babies in all Brett's games. But um, <clears throat> having it be the human, you know, or whatever cl- close connection there can be sometimes more, we really have to stop this thing as opposed to it's another dragon or it's another band of orcs. And the other component is that when you have bad guys, it's a horde of human barbarians versus 
orc barbarians. Feel like orcs. They got green skin. Fucking kill them. It's human barbarians that are threatening the town. The dynamic changes. Do you talk to human barbarians like you would never talk to orcs? Well, that's that's, or, that's good. We should yeah. Yeah, and that and then with orc, the orc barbarians, then you flip it, and then there's some or a couple orc rangers are like, this is stupid. I don't want to go with Grishnak because Grishnak, the one eye, is is a crazy motherfucker. So I'm going to go to the town, talk to a couple half orcs there, and say, guys, look, you know, <laughs> the, the severed tongue tribe is going to come rolling in here like crazy. We don't want any part of that. Will you know you you can change it up in in those type of ways, and I think that that's to me that's more interesting than oh I've got to go fight another orc tribe that's going to come roaring out of the mountains and take over whatever keep or hold that we're at. And even if you just change it from orcs to human barbarians, that shit gets weird then, because not everybody wants to go slaughter a whole bunch of humans. We made truce with a clan of lizard men. Why not? Well, because usually you kill all lizard lizard men. Yeah. My guys had, um, Lenny's character had, he beat down a massive albino alligator man in the sewers beneath Avalon. He basically wrestled him down through this nasty combat of trips and whatnot. And the guy, like, he, he, he was obviously beat. So the alligator, the alligator man is like, the gator man is like, okay, that's it. I'm done. You know, you're going to kill me. And so what Lenny did was he was like, yeah, he ritualistic, he, he kills the guy and <laughs> made a pair of boots out of his hide. Okay. Well, um, what that did based on the, the Gator Man culture that I had already <laughs> devised was that type of activity basically raised his character's, um, stakes, if you will, it within the group. So then the, the other Gator men are looking at him saying, well, he's obviously really, really strong. That's a good target for the next one of us to prove that we're tough. So they're going out looking for tough prey and, and so forth, you know, kind of like different, um, different tribes would counting coup or that type of thing. So he, he got hassled for a while by Gator men just coming up and like, you know, pelting with rocks or stuff just, just, just to prove that they got close to the guy who killed the leader type of thing. Anyway, well, odd, odd, odd segue. That just went, the lizard man thing just hit me. Sorry. And with that. Shall we move on? We should go to Die Roll. We should. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, Die Roll. 2D4. Miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery we want to bring to your attention. Brett's got a couple. I've got a few. Brett. All right. So the first one is, if you hadn't already heard, Umberto Eco, an Italian author, uh, he died. He was, I believe, 84. I've got a link in there in the show notes. You can go to bbc.com. It's out there. It's a few other people. He wrote um, <clears throat> Full Coach Pendulum, which is my favorite of his novels. I also really liked Name of the Rose. I picked up a different one of his, which is newer. I have yet to get to it. And I also have a book of his essays that I read a while back, which are really good. He's He was a really smart dude, um, and it, it sucks to, to lose a literary uh, brain like that. So too bad for Umberto. That sucks. Um, bubblegum shoe, as I alluded to earlier, evilhat.com, uh, they're putting out bubblegum shoe, uh, kind of a teenage high school version of, uh, the gumshoe system for investigating there. I, I see, uh, the Scooby gang, if you will, when I read that Dude, one. Dude, Nancy so. Drew. Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys. Hardy Boys, man. Yeah. The, 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 the case of the missing chums and stuff like that. Case of the missing chums. Every, there's, it'll be pirates. It'll be pirates or smugglers or something along those lines every time. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's uh, all I got. Your turn. Curse of Curse of 
I have Cures of Strahd. Curse of Strahd Adventurers League Players Pack is up from D uh, from Watsi. If you play in Adventurers League, you want to grab that. Um, dry Erase Dungeon Tiles, which I was going to bring up while Brett was talking about how he draws out his stuff, and I thought these were interesting. So I have, I have like the big plastic ones that I don't even think you can find anymore. But these happen to be on Amazon, and I think they're made out of, like, thick tag board. I don't think they're plastic, so they're probably a little bit lighter. And they come in, like, 5x5 five five or in a 10x10, 10 10, and they interlock, and you can draw on them. The problem I had with mine, because it's plastic and you dry dry, dry erase on the plastic, is that it flakes. So I don't know if these flake that well or badly, but somebody had posted this that they use this for their games – um, in addition to the crayon dry erase and works like a charm, like they've actually drawn it out before the adventure and then they sit oh. down and lock down the pieces and you could place a piece in a tile as you go. So if you're into that, check those out on Amazon. I have to admit that the link in the show notes is an affiliate. So if you do click on that and go through there, we may get some little kickback too. So, uh, totally. I'll and, yeah, check that out. RPG stack exchange. So if you uh, stack overflows like an IT based uh, developer website where you can go and ask questions and you can provide an answer and you can up the answer according to everybody saying, yes, that's the correct way or whatever. And you can upvote the answer and people can put in different answers. Well, they have an RPG stack exchange. And I think I, I knew this from a long time ago and I just came across again recently so you can go there, oh, pardon me, ask a question, and then people can upvote the answers, and then you can get kind of a threaded, um, upvoted, prioritized uh, type of response on RPG Stack Exchange. Uh, more Nerf. Nerf enthusiasts. I've got a link to the Nerf Chainsaw. <laughs> Chains? Are you kidding me? Is a nerf Brett, chainsaw. Do I look like I'm kidding you? I just you, if you you better not be joking about a nerf chainsaw. That's all I'm saying because I'm going to put that in the office. That's a, oh my god! I'm looking at the link <laughs> and a, and a nerf and a nerf nuke. Oh, that's awesome! And the nerf nuke, which like is a big ball that you shoot, and then I think it lands on a flat surface, and then boom, it explodes all the darts. Nerf out darts. Of it. Yeah. All right, I need a Nerf chainsaw. I need to sit that on my desk at the office just to Hell yeah. <laughs> just lay that right just there. Just start running through. Like Hopefully it has sound and everything. I didn't take a look. But <laughs> yeah, you can like start going bonkers on some coworkers, Brett. Bring it into a meeting and set it down on the table. Set it down. Say, hey, I, I, HR prevented me from bringing my real one. So Exactly. This is, sorry. <laughs> I've had it all, y'all. So then we got a couple other die rolls from Anthony Von D on Facebook, he put out a Kickstarter for The Legend of Everett Forge, Issue 1. We'll put that a link in the show notes. Thanks for providing that, Anthony. And then Joe Swick, um, I put this in the die roll. He brought it up to our attention a little while ago, and we haven't mentioned it. It's the D&D Achievements, which is a combination of like video game achievements and RPG um, that could entertain players that are waiting XP for their next level. So it's actually out there 
And uh, I think I found it on originally on a blog post, and then they linked to a Reddit. So it's on an actual Reddit you can download and ga- gamify your game even more. Very cool. Yeah. Pretty cool, isn't it, Brett? It's very cool. Don't lie. I like Joe. I like Joe Papaswick. He's always got good stuff. Even though he lied to me and said he was in Singapore or wherever the hell he's Whatever, he's right? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like they don't have Wi-Fi or Singapore. It's probably, there was a wrestling dude though. He might choke slam me next time he next time I see him. So you never he know. might. Hey, this show is brought to you by patrons like Joe Swick, Kevin Lovecraft, Steve Day, Old School DM, Christian, Sexy Voice, Serrano, Jeff Rademacher, Forrest, uh, Gary, Misdirected Mark, Brett's biggest fan, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Tony Baker, and new patron Palladion. Consider becoming a patron of the show at gamingabs.com forward slash Patreon. Thanks, everybody, each and one of you, for contributing, as well as you for listening to us. Brett, any last words? Well, next week we're going to go into, uh, we're going to talk about some imposed roles in RPGs. Uh, Roger Braslett, one of our listeners, suggested that topic, so we're going to crack that one out and see what we can do with it. Otherwise, I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night, good game and all.